No one's stopping me, so I guess it must be my turn now, is it? <laughs> Excellent. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Lovely to be together. Just take a minute to have a look around. Just kind of raise yourself up in your seat and just have a look because I feel sorry for you that you don't have my perspective. So just have a little look around and be blessed by seeing all the people who are here with you this morning. Isn't that lovely? Aren't you glad you came? Isn't it great the Lord's made our eyes looking outward so we don't have to look at ourselves? We can look at everyone else. All right, well, let's um, seek the Lord's help for understanding, for the sake of his work in our hearts and through us in the world. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful that you've given us the Bible. We're so thankful that we get to just sit at your feet, Jesus, and think about your words. We're thankful, Lord, that we get to do it together. We're thankful, Lord, for your Holy Spirit here with us right now. And we commit each other, ourselves and each other, to you. Please do a wonderful, lasting work in us. We come to you as people who fall short, but we're hoping in you, Lord. Because you are forgiving and you are strong. So give us understanding, please, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So David texted me and said he's praying for me and he's also praying for you. And let's pray for him as he goes on leave, that the Lord would um, rest him up and bless him. So you won't... You don't have to be a Christian for very long before you come across something like this. Isaiah 40, 31, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall wait, uh, mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I reckon you've, many of you have probably got this on your wall at home or on your screensaver on your computer or on a little card in your wallet or at least you've seen it on a decorative plate, or it's everywhere. Um, if you visited Mrs. Harmon in the Christian bookshop years ago, you might have seen it on a nice laminated poster that you could have, could have bought. It's very well known, and it's very well loved. Agreed? Is it well understood? That's my job, to... <laughs> ask that question, do we really understand this promise? And, um, and if we don't, well, let's have a go at doing that. So here's a principle for faithful Bible study, then and there, before here and now. What that means is that before we rush to apply a verse to ourselves in the here and now, we work at understanding what it meant there and then. So I want to ask, When it says, God, he, gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, I want to know who is weak, who is weary, and why. When it says that God is going to give strength, I want to know what kind of strength is being promised. And finally, when I'm told, well, when the the people being addressed here 
are told to wait on the Lord, what does that actually mean? What are they being asked to do? Now, we can understand what these questions mean for them, then I think we can be in a good position to apply the promise to ourselves today. Shall we begin? So here's a Bible timeline. I love this Bible timeline, don't you? It's for children, but I love it for myself. And I'm going to use David's language and say we're going to get in a helicopter and just fly over the top of the story of the Bible so we can see where this promise sits in the history, in biblical history. So creation, fall. by the way, those little signs down the bottom, if you were on the Bible, this is from a, uh, an app on Adele's phone, which you can't get anymore, I'm sorry. But if you clicked on that, then it gives you more information. But the key figures in the middle, the history at the top, and um, here we go. Creation and the fall and... Um, the covenant with Abraham, I'm mostly working with the line at the top there, if you follow with me. So God chooses Abraham and promises that though the world is devastated, God's perfect world has been devastated by sin, he is going to bless the nations through Abraham and his descendants. Abraham um, miraculously has um, a son, And through that son, a nation um, is born. And this nation ends up in Egypt through Joseph. Now, Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. Um, Even though his brothers sold him as a slave. And Joseph brings his family to Egypt because there was a great famine throughout the world. But Joseph dies and the Pharaoh forgets who Joseph is and here's this growing population of people in his country whom he dreads and fears and hates and he oppresses them and so they are slaves there, God's people with God's promise, slaves for 400 years. And things go from bad to worse and they cry out to God. And so God raises up Moses and Moses with the power of God leads the people out of Egypt on a journey to their own land now they're in the wilderness for a lot longer than what they needed to be it's not a 40 year trip but it was a 40 year trip for them because they didn't believe God enough to go in and take the land when they had the opportunity But eventually, Moses leads them to the the edge of the land and Joshua takes them in and they enter the land that God gives them. But before they get there, God gives them his law and he enters into a covenant with them and he says, if you will obey these laws, you will be blessed in the land that I'm giving to you. So make sure you meditate, understand and obey these laws. And the history of Israel shows us that even though they had the laws, they really forgot the laws and they just did their own thing. And unfortunately, they didn't so much reap the blessings of the covenant, but they reaped the curses of the covenant. Because God said, if you reject my law, 
then there will be all sorts of things that will come upon you. Mind you, there were some wonderful times. And if you look at the time of David there, there was a glimpse of the blessing that God had in mind for his people going into his land. There was justice, there was prosperity, there was peace. Beautiful. Unfortunately, under Solomon, the nation was divided into northern and southern kingdom. You can see the split there on the left of your screen. And so you had Israel in the north with Samaria as the capital and Judah in the south with Jerusalem as the capital. And Israel had a pretty bad run of pretty bad kings. Judah had a kind of up and down run of some bad kings and some good kings. But in the overall trajectory of the history of the nation, they continued to reject the word of God. And so the prophets were continually saying, listen, here is the covenant that you've entered into with your God. It's a covenant of blessing and it's a covenant of cursing. At the moment, you are headed for dreadful cursing. Repent. Turn back to God's law, embrace his word, and enjoy his blessing. And um, they weren't always the most popular of people because people just wanted to continue on their own way. And eventually, as you can see on the top there, the northern kingdom, Israel, fell to the Assyrians. And then later down the track, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. And you can see that during that time leading up to the fall of Jerusalem, Isaiah is crying out to them, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and you'll deserve it, please. And it came. And so then you have that dotted line there, which is God's people dispersed among the nations shattered so the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are speaking about they are, they are prophecies mainly of judgment of warning and judgment this is what's coming this is what's coming in Isaiah chapter 40 and following we have a shift and it's talking to the people from the perspective that it's already happened. Now that you have been punished, now that you have been cast out of the land, listen. And that's what we're looking at today. So, who is weak and weary? Well, you may have got a hint already as to who is weak and weary and why. Look, they've had their home violently invaded by a powerful foreign army. I know people who've had their own houses violently invaded. Boy, it's awful. This is a whole nation that's been violently invaded. The city and the walls have been destroyed. They have got no defence. They are laid bare, as God said they would be. And the central part of the city, of their identity and of their relationship with God, the temple, has been burnt to the ground. 
and all of the sacred objects of worship have been plundered. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this is like the national equivalent of being raped. God's people have been their most sacred and and holy and intimate uh, and personal things as a nation have been absolutely shattered and now they are dispersed across the world. And they live across the world, spread out as a despised minority. Is it any wonder that God would say, if you are weak and if you are weary, listen, I've got something to say to you. Do you think that might be fair enough? Perhaps you know what it's like to feel weak and weary because of the things that have happened to you. But it's not so much, really, the circumstances you find yourself in that make you weak and weary to the core of yourself. It's what goes on in your heart. And what's going on in the heart of Israel in this decimated state is this. Verse 27. And I'm going to be looking at the promise of verses 29 to 31 from the perspective of the whole of chapter 40. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right disregarded by my God? So they're in a hard place, but they're in an even harder place because of what they believe. They believe that they are forgotten. That they've been abandoned by God and that God no longer cares about their future. I remember um, I've been part of a few churches now and in one church um, I was involved in a little bit of conflict and I've been part of a decision that wasn't very popular and I received a very nice email. Can you hear the... You don't believe it was a very nice email, do you? And uh, it was conflict and there were people against me. And, and I remember reading this email because um, I'm a person, probably like many of you, who like to be liked. I don't like it when I'm not liked. And I remember saying to Adele, it was dinner time, um, when I um, don't read your emails at dinner time, and uh, I said to Adele, I'm just going to go into um, my bedroom and lie down for a while. It was because I hadn't had my veggies or hadn't been having enough exercise, or because I was lacking in sleep. No, it was because I'd had a blow to the heart. And all my strength was gone. And for Israel, all their strength was gone. Not primarily because of their circumstances, but because of how they interpreted those circumstances. That God has now forgotten us. Can you relate? I think we can relate from time to time and feeling that perhaps God's too busy or God's overlooked us or God's giving us what we deserve. The truth of it was that they had been given what they deserved. But does that mean that God had forgotten them and that they were without hope? 
Does it? Let's have a look. What kind of strength God is promising to them? Strength. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Listen, he says to his shattered people, I've got strength for you. Just like weakness for me was a heart issue, strength is also a heart issue. And God wants to give them strength that goes beyond physical strength. Listen, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. God says, I've got strength for you that goes beyond physical strength. Strength for your heart. And he gives them these beautiful words to encourage them that they are not forgotten. Listen to what it says in verse 9. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. I haven't forgotten you. I'm coming for you. I love you. This is the kind of strength that the Lord wants to give us. If you've got this up on your wall and you're feeling physically tired and you're saying, Lord, where is your promise of strength? I don't think the Lord's talking about primarily that kind of strength. The Lord primarily wants to strengthen your heart. This is what Paul prays for the Ephesians. I pray, Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants to strengthen their hearts and he wants to give them a perspective. <clears throat> he says to them, I'm going to lift you up on wings like eagles. What does that mean? It's easy just to say, oh, what a beautiful picture. Thank you, Lord. What did it mean to them? They'd heard that language before, actually. Listen, this is what Moses, God said through Moses to the people on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, verse 4 and following. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, if you said, went to the exiles and you read that to them, 
I don't think they would be encouraged and excited and happy and comforted. I think they would be crushed and they would cry and they would say, I know that. I know that verse. That was the promise we had, but we wrecked it. Listen. I brought you on eagle's wings out of Egypt. I gave you a land and I said you'll be my treasured possession if you fully obey me and keep my covenant. And they would say to you, that's why I'm here. That's what's happened. We didn't fully obey. We ruined it. Have you ever felt that you're in a place and you're feeling quite hopeless because you've just ruined the chances that God has given you, the opportunities given you? Well, listen. God says specifically to those exiles, I'm going to lift... You wait for me and I'm going to lift you up on eagle's wings. What? Eagle's wings? You mean it's not too late? I'm going to lift you up on eagle's wings, just like I did in Egypt, and I'm going to bring you home. Listen to what he says at the start of chapter 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. It's done. It's finished. You've been punished. Now I'm speaking tenderly to you and I'm saying to you, though you've been smashed and scattered to the ends of the earth, I'm promising I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to lift you up on eagle's wings and bring you back to myself. So how does this apply to us? Did that remind you of something as I read? Tell her that her term has been served, that her penalty is paid. Is there penance still for you to pay? Is there? Haven't your sins already been paid for? Hasn't Jesus paid for your sins? Wherever you are right now, there is beautiful hope for you, not because you deserve it, but because your penalty has been paid. You can look to God because of Jesus and say, let's look to the future, Father. I'm ready for your strength. What have you got for me to do? And um, so it's beyond a physical strength. For us, it's a strength of the Holy Spirit, the love of God in our hearts, the perspective that we are forgiven and that we have a future hope. Listen to this beautiful scripture from Revelation. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We have the promise of forgiveness now and a future with God, not because we deserve it. Can we hold on to that? Can that give us a perspective that fills our heart with strength? Now, God was not just promising to bring them back. Can you see what's next? I'm going to bring you home to myself. What's after that? You're allowed to call out loud. There's the rebuilding. Yep. So the strength that God gives them, it's an inner strength. It's a perspective for their, for their relationship with God and the future that he has for them. But he also strengthens them for the sake of their endurance. And when we see that poster on our wall or on our dinner plate or on our screensaver or in the card in our wallet, then think not just of the eagle's wings that the Lord is going to carry you to home to heaven with him, but also think about the fact that he strengthened us to run and to walk and not to become weary because there is an endurance that he wants to strengthen us for to complete his work. They, when they got home, they had to rebuild the walls and they had to rebuild the temple. And guess what? This shambles of a group of shattered people actually did it. They actually did it. How? Through God's strength. Now you think about the work that God has prepared in advance for us to do and that he commissioned his disciples to do. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And if I think just about the city of Wagga, I think, wow, Lord, this is an overwhelming task. To see every person and family in the city of Wagga given the opportunity to hear the name Jesus to understand about forgiveness and the love of God, eternal life, and to respond and to believe and to walk in discipleship and to be restored to a place of strength and beauty. And I think, wow, this is just so, so beyond us. Just like the walls and the temple was beyond them. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, go. But wait. Do you remember? He said, wait. And my Father will send you the Holy Spirit and you will receive power, strength. And the same promise is there for us. Jesus says, you fathers, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Will you chuck a snake at him? No. How much more then will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And he specifies in the Gospel of Luke, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's be those who are waiting on the Lord to give us the strength to do the work that he's called us to do because we have an endurance ahead of us. My daughter, um, my kids, they're lovely kids. 
And my girls in particular are so good at um, sharing scripture with me. And on Father's Day, I think it was last year, Beth gave me, wrote out this verse for me and I just loved it so much that I printed it out, laminated it and it's still in our fridge. Listen to what it says, Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 and I'm reading from the Message Bible. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. She lives in our house. She knows we need this. But we need it. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Isn't that lovely? Colossians 1, 11 to 12. Here's a promise for us. Finally, what does it actually look like? What did it look like for them to wait on the Lord and what does it mean for us? Well, first of all, it means... Well, if you look it up in your NRSV or in your ESV or in your Good News Bible, you'll find that that word wait is translated a couple of ways. Sometimes it's translated hope. You've probably seen that. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength or those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. The first, I guess, and most obvious thing is not to wait or hope or trust in something that's not the Lord. And this was very important for them because they lived among idols. There were people around them worshipping things that were not God, hoping in things that were not God. And God says, don't do that. Verse 18 of chapter 40. God says, who then will you liken God to? Or what likeness will you compare him with? An idol? A workman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. And the Lord says, look at these idols. They're made. They even need chains to hold them up. Are you going to put your hope there? Now, they may have been tempted to do that because... Without the word of the God, without the word of God coming to them through Isaiah, they might look at the circumstances around them and say, okay, we worshipped God, they worship these idols, they've smashed us and destroyed our temple, maybe these idols are stronger than God. Maybe we should just join in with what they're doing. After all, life will be a lot easier if we're just like everyone else. Can you see the pressure they might have been under? And so God strengthens them with his word and he says, look at these idols. They actually need help standing up. Now think about me. I'm your creator. I'm the everlasting God. Put your hope in me. Now we are um, enlightened Westerners and we don't believe in idols anymore. And I'd be very surprised if I followed you home and found a little wooden idol um, on your shelf um, and that you were bowing down to it so we would never engage in any kind of idolatry 
would we? Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. That's interesting. So this is how I analyse my heart when it comes to idolatry. I think to myself, what is it that I'm hoping for? What am I waiting for? If I ask the question, I'll, if I'm looking for a statement in my heart that reflects idolatry, it could go something like this. I'll be okay when... I'll be all right if. What is your when? What is your if? We just medicate ourselves. This Western society, we just wet wet ourselves. (laughs) Can we just delete that off the video, please, brother? (laughs) What was I actually going to say? Thank you, Nick, a medical man. We medicate ourselves with stuff. Retail therapy, I think it's called. And, um, you know, the Lord is saying, this is created stuff. Are you really going to put your hope, your life in those things? Look at me. Look at me. Wait on me. So don't put your hope anywhere else. Two things about waiting on the Lord, hoping in the Lord, trusting in the Lord. Number one, focus your heart on who he is. He's saying, you read chapter 40 and the Lord says, look at what an idol is. Now, look at who I am. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Let us be people who medicate our hearts on the greatness and glory, wonder, splendor, love, majesty of God. Just noticed about myself that I dwell a lot on the news. I've got an app on my phone. I just press the app and I just look at the headlines. And I'll do that. I find myself doing that lots. So my challenge to myself is more than that. Let's have less of that. And let's have more of dwelling on the greatness of God. Who God is. What he's done. His future for his people. His promises. His love. You know what I'm talking about. So focus the heart on God and finally believe what he says. God says to his shattered exiles, see, verse 10, the Lord comes with might. His arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He says, I'm coming. Wait, 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 I'm coming. I'm coming to get you.
Does that sound familiar to anything that relates to us as the people who love and follow Jesus Christ? Has he said anything similar that rings a bell? 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's coming. Jesus is coming. Are you excited? Is your hope in him? The second last verse of the Bible says this, Yes, I am coming soon. And his people echo, reply, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that our sins have been paid for. That we are actually included in this promise. The promise of strength. The promise of a future. The promise of yourself for us. That you are our home, God. May we live and walk at home in you until we see you, Jesus, face to face. Amen.